Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at That's My Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we'll let you in on it. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gwen at Bedstad Brat, and, and we have a special guest. Yeah, so um, some of our audience was lucky enough to be at... Glenn, what are you doing? Bringing the mic closer, man. Okay. <laughs> Some of our audience members uh, were lucky enough to see our special guest at Dumbo House. Um, we had a really great conversation, but unfortunately, we did not get the audio. So, brrr, the special, that was my drum roll, <laughs> the special <laughs> guest is Erica Hart. Hi, so, everybody. thank you for coming back. Of Welcome course, back. of course. I want a nickname. Are those your Instagram handles, or is that yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I Instagram handle <laughs> and like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but yeah, if you don't know, which I'm sure you know, um, Erica Hart is an amazing person. Right but here. she, yeah. Okay, Glenn, you want to go? A kinky poly cancer warrior activist sexuality educator and performer with a master's of education in human sexuality erica hart has taught sexuality education for elementary aged youth and to adults across new york city for the past 10 years her work in sexually in sexuality education was catalyzed by her service as a peace corps volunteer i think in ethiopia yes where she worked with uh on hiv aids projects from 2008 to 2010 um should I keep going or should we just hop right in? Let's hop right yeah, in. Let's, let's hop, hop right in. in. If you All don't right. know, educate yourself. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So first of all, what are your pronouns? Pronouns are she, they. Thanks she, they. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Um, can you, for our listeners who, you know, are want to know, why is it important for, you know, for you to, use someone's proper pronouns um it's important to first like you just did ask someone ask everybody their pronouns because it's just like asking their name because it's how they want to be called you never begin a conversation with someone without you know figuring out how they want to be called and pronouns are a part of that and a lot of times we assume people's pronouns based on how they look so it's important that we kind of do away with that sort of process and just ask because you never can assume how folks want to be called i would never assume somebody is an ashley i would i would ask first (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we're gonna put that um so we when we did our live show at dumbo house we played this game called on better reply that we usually play with all of our guests Mm -hmm. and you gave us some thoughts for some of the topics that we talked about but we're going to revisit some of them so One of our topics was sex toys, and you yeah. said, reply. Reply, As right. in, like, you're here for it. Here for it. Exactly. Totally, yes. <laughs> We're wondering 100%. if you have recommendations for some toys. Like, maybe if people aren't, haven't been incorporating it into their bedroom, yeah. that they could start with. Uh, it depends on Well, I have, I'm actually wearing a basic bullet mm. vibrator as a necklace. 
Um, it's by <laughs> so Crave. Cool. Love it. <laughs> um, and it's cute because nobody realizes it's a necklace unless you know that you've seen it before. Sometimes people are like, what's that? <laughs> and I'll say a vibrator and they're like, and they keep touching it, which I think is interesting. Um, I don't use this one in particular, but it's just a basic bullet. So I feel like if you are a bullet vibrator, it's just like a round tip sort of long um in shape if you will sort of like phallic shaped and they're like usually pretty cheap they vary in like vary in price um and i think if you're starting out that's a a good idea Mm -hmm. now if you're more advanced and you want to like take things to the next level i always recommend the magic wand Uh, it's good for your back pain good for your hip pain but also good on clitoris it's good and like on uh, Mons pubis, which everybody has, which is just where your pubic hair grows. Mm. Um, nipples, it's super powerful, so you can do a lot of like uh, sort of like resistance play, if you will, and like teasing or or just freaking your partner out, which could also be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I give a suggestion to our listeners? Yep. Um, I don't know if you have you all have heard of it, but it's called like Satisfy Her, and it's like a sucker. So it's not a, oh, yeah. quite a vibrator, but it's it like sucks on you, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like that one is, you know, a one. A one. I don't think it's a beginner beginner one, but definitely maybe two or three. Yeah, two or one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, the next thing we have for red or reply was the term feminist. Red. Yeah, all right. All right. Just kind of over it, you know. Just kind of over people calling themselves that. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cool if you are, but I just feel like it's just used as a as a way to not do anything. I think it's great if you're a feminist, but what what more does that mean? Like, what are your what does that show about your actions at work when you're not, you know, being seen by a lot of people and by your followers on Instagram? What does it look like when nobody's watching? Mm. Yeah, so that's kind of my thought about it. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Okay, and the next one is corporate activism. So we kind of spoke on that a bit uh, during Pride Month, especially because everyone, every brand was kind of coming out with the rainbow stuff. There was, Mm -hmm. we spoke about even there was a rainbow Listerine, which is crazy. Um, So I feel like off the bat, I feel like I know what you're going to say. Are you going to say Well, I think it's interesting because now we're in almost August Mm -hmm. and what have those brands done for Mm. queer communities right Mm -hmm. so they had all of that stuff everything was rainbow now everything has gone back to blue Listerine (laughs) right it's no longer a rainbow Listerine so but what has Listerine done for queer communities and I don't you don't really see that um their advocacy anymore because it was really just a way to profit um, off community and have folks spend money there or look like you're a, a good company. Um, and that's just not, that's clearly not the case because it was, it only lasted a month. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's funny that we're, we're seeing, you know, where they are, where are they now, you know, in just mm-hmm. a few months. Where are they now? Yeah. All the rainbows are, are suddenly gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did wonder if there was some value, though, in the representation. Do you think? I don't like even think acknowledging so. it? No, because again, it's like we just had the twelfth black trans woman who was murdered mm-hmm. um, just the other day. So I don't. 
see the value and representation with major corporations profiting off of pride when folks are still dying. It's also to consider who gets to be public or who gets to be forward facing um, when oftentimes to be forward facing and queer is can put your life at risk. Mm -hmm. So I don't I don't see it as this thing of like, oh, it's great to be visible because it makes you know, everybody else safe because that that's clearly not the case. There was a lot of visibility um, in community, even with, you know, shows like Pose and mm. uh, a lot of organizations wanting to expand the ways in which they talk about gender. But there's still not um, there's still not a regard for queer, especially black queer and trans bodies um, that would it, it doesn't look the same. So it's like. There's a lot of representation. It's not even. There's a lot of representation, a lot of visibility, but then where is the, the, the I guess, on the other side of that is how are we seeing the change in community and how are queer people protected beyond the month of June, mm-hmm. um, beyond leaving that particular corporation? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's, I don't really see the point. I mean, I think people are like, they say the word trans now and some folks ask pronouns, but at the end of the day, they're not incorporating queer politics into their life. And queer politics are just, you know, just really respect folks, you know, <laughs> and like yeah. queer your politic and stop thinking that everything is binary and, and heteronormative, right? So I don't really see people doing that. I see it when it's convenient. And with when they're around queer people. Yeah, you know, um, I was talking to a couple friends about queering and how it's like an action and a verb. Mm-hmm. And somebody wrote something on Instagram I just wanted to read. Mm-hmm. Um, they say, queer is not a synonym for another label. It is a linguistic tool that denotes unlabeling or disassociation with sexuality, gender paradigms. Artistically, we can think of queer like a verb. To queer is to create or exist that which lives outside of the monoculture. I thought that was... Yeah, me and my partner always talk about how black folks are inherently mm-hmm. queer because we exist outside of um, the norm. Like, our bodies are regarded in those ways, and that is, by definition, queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think if, you know, talking about... There's homophobia in every community, but a lot of times people like to hone in on homophobia in the black community because of just the anti-black world we live in. Mm-hmm. But I do think if black folks understood that their bodies, just by existing in this culture are queer i think we would see the end of a lot of homophobia mm-hmm. i agree and another one of my friends yeah. was saying to me and i i feel foolish for not having automatically thought of this connecting the dot but mm-hmm. like you know we are rallying in the streets for black lives matter mm-hmm. but if a black trans woman is killed mm-hmm. that's not solely like an issue that exists within that like people within the lgbtq community mm-hmm. have to rally for like mm-hmm. that's a black lives matter issue, issue. Yeah. yeah 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 and that was one of the i guess um pushbacks or criticisms of black lives matter is that a lot of it was focused around black cisgender men um mm-hmm. and there wasn't yeah. a lot of conversation even about black cisgender women mm-hmm. um who experience right. are at the hands of violence by black cisgender men on a regular basis are murdered oftentimes um, and even just intimate partner violence. And that's not necessarily talking about, that's not even considering the ways in which black cisgender men murder black trans women who they don't even know. Mm-hmm. So it's just, there is not, there is a hyper-focus. I mean, this is definitely an intracommunal conversation where there's a hyper-focus on, 
you know, cisgender people. And then when it comes to trans folks and queer people and non-binary people, it's like, oh, that's y'all, like, that's y'all separate thing. We'll talk about that in June. Mm -hmm. Or we'll talk about that when we're at the club, we go to gay bar Mm -hmm. to, like not be harassed or some shit it's like Mm -hmm. you know there's not there's not a lot of space being held for us and it's it's clear yeah Yeah. um just switching topics a bit because i you are an educator Mm -hmm. um at what age do you think we should be teaching our children about you know gender and um and understanding that not everyone might identify as a boy or a girl and all of these you know complexities of you know, how we identify, I guess. Kindergarten, or just just when they get language, I think is super important. I saw this great, I think I shared it, um, this status of, you know, talking to your kid about how they can identify however they want, but it's also important to note that people don't, won't always identify or understand the world or see the world in the same ways they do. Um, And it's important that you acknowledge that gender is is still very real and valid for them even if it doesn't look like how it looks for for you Mm -hmm. um personally and i think that that was like really beautiful way to put it um because there's one way to be like oh trans people exist and non-binary people exist and then they get exposure to that but it's also important to validate whatever sort of gender conversation they're having because young people don't necessarily have the language of trans and non-binary we give that to them Mm -hmm. right they don't even have the language Mm -hmm. of girl boy Mm -hmm. we also give that to Mm -hmm. them so it's important that we are giving them the whole plethora of who they get to be um and not just choosing for them so it's important to just you know affirm young people how they assert their gender what they say about gender the the world is already perpetuating the gender binary and how they're supposed to be a girl and how they're supposed to be a boy and whenever they fall outside of those lines they're reprimanded so as the parent or as the guardian it's important to continue to validate who they are um regardless of what the world is saying is weird or strange or wrong about their gender and this starts super young because, I mean, a lot of times people want sex ed to start in high school because they hear the word sex and think yeah, too late. They're right. That's that you can't talk to young people about sex. And that's just not it's not the case. Um, but sex ed gender is a part of sex ed. So talking to a high schooler is is it is it's a it's a bit too late because they not too late, but you they just come with a lot more of their notions about the world. I um I actually taught kindergarten for mm-hmm. three years and Glenn is a teacher now, mm-hmm. um and I remember when I was teaching I would try to you know try my best to do the research and like learn on how you teach about these topics especially because I had a student that was male bodied but you know there was there was something that other kids were noticing about him and you know he was even noticing about himself and ha- about himself and having questions about it he always wanted to wear the dresses in the in um what's what was it called in like the dress up area or whatever mm-hmm. um and so i read this book called red a crayon story yes, to them I was say that. and mm-hmm. then my name is jazz and then we would do exercises like and you know it wasn't like about him specifically it was just things we would do um mm-hmm. And, you know, we would do exercises like, you know, I would pick up a toy 
and I'd be like, you know, who is this toy for? And initially, maybe it might start with, you know, that's like a boy's toy and then trying to relearn that. But even like with all of those lessons and, you know, trying so much to like make it very clear that there are, it's just not just boy or girl or it's just, you know, do what you want to do. Um, people would like my students at that age would still like laugh at the little boy that was wearing the dress and you know like so still like how do you combat that I feel like it's so deeply rooted even at kindergarten age Mm -hmm. even at five years old when they're like innocent and nice (laughs) yeah that's and it's, it's all over the place too like so even a school a major institution will place it's they still do it they did it when I was a kid and I've been out of you know obviously kindergarten for like many years now where it's like there's a boys and a girls line yeah so even that forces a binary right in Mm -hmm. the the restrooms in a kindergarten there's a boys bathroom and there's a girls bathroom yeah um and they'll situate them where like here's the girls team and here's the boys team and a lot of that has to start to go away if you're gonna have young people Mm -hmm. affirm how folks want to exist Um, And it's also like, where does the having a conversation with young people like, why do you think that these clothes are girl clothes? Mm, Yeah. Like, where did you learn that? And that is a question that young people will tell you, my mom taught me or like my grandma or, you know, Macy's has it, you know, they Mm -hmm. will say all of those things. And it's important to be like, well, they're just clothes. You know what I mean? And like. Yep, I, I've, I've taught so many times that I just one class I remember in particular was actually a workshop with folks and they were like, well, my child is a girly girl. Like she goes to pink and she mm-hmm. likes tutus and I know that she's super like essentially like high femme mm-hmm. because she likes all these things. And I was like, what if I told you that pink is actually a color that is pretty and like people will go to just like it is in flowers or just like if it was painted on a wall it doesn't necessarily mean anything Mm -hmm. about the child's gender Mm -hmm. they just like the color Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a lot of times a lot of times people would be like oh you know like you just said a a male-bodied student wanted to wear dresses dresses are a bit more comfortable than than pants they're like there's more they're more intricate oftentimes than a pair of pants and a shirt like we have to kind of take out our beliefs that oh this is inherently feminine and Mm -hmm. this is inherently masculine because none of that is real all of that is made up in white supremacist capitalist patriarchy to say girls do this boys do this and this is how we're going to maintain even a workforce where men make more money and women make less it's all rooted in that because then young people who believe girls wear dresses and boys wear pants will also believe that men should make more and they do certain Mm. jobs and girls do certain jobs so it all it all has to begin young if we're going to actually see something different and young people will teach you too Mm-hmm. Like you can ask, like, why do you want to wear a dress? Just like you would ask anybody else, why do you want to wear pants? And they'll tell you, it's comfortable. Right. right. <laughs> no, I know. I have a student in my class, a uh, girl, and she, I mean, she would straight up say, like, I'm a girl all the time, mm-hmm. but she keeps her hair super short, yep. wears quote unquote boy clothes. But there's not, I don't, and I've noticed that so many people, a lot of the adults in the school are like so. Everybody's whispering about her, mm-hmm. or wondering about mm-hmm. her, who is she going to grow up to be, mm-hmm. and placing mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. her. And I'm just like, she, she's just chilling. She's, ch- she's, she's also a child. And she feels yeah. comfortable. Like, yeah. It's like right. a lot of adult thoughts on yeah. young people as well. 
Mm-hmm. Where it's like young people, oh, that person, like I see like um, even sexuality placed on young people, which at that age, developmentally, they're not necessarily thinking about. So people will go up to, I don't know, a little boy and say, oh, is that your girlfriend? Mm. That's so strange. So <laughs> or like, the kitty weddings. I've yeah, seen those on like, Instagram. Wait, I did one of those as a child. What mom. is that? It was called a Tom Thumb Wedding. And what? I think it's something they used to do in like the Victorian age because they did it at this church in my neighborhood. I think we were all like what? 12 maybe and we all dressed up in these big Victorian dresses and we Whoa. staged a wedding and my friend married this little boy. Whoa. Yeah, that's... He might have been younger than 12. It was that's so weird. weird. Yes. So weird. And everybody so was taking so many pictures and I remember being jealous of my friend because she got to wear the white dress with the big veil and like just had all this attention on her and she was like a beautiful bride. Oh my God. We were all like in a room being like the bridal court. I remember asking her if she was nervous. Like it's so great. That's nuts. And that's that's also how gender is. Nuts. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Wow. Um, What's one thing that you wish you knew about sex or sexual health uh, at an earlier stage in life? Mm, oh, that's a good question. What's one thing I wish I knew? Um, I think I wish I knew. I wish somebody told me that sex is not sex in real life. Porn is not reality, essentially. <laughs> uh, because I thought for so long that when I first became sexually active, so much of my education came through porn that I thought, oh, I'm supposed to be loud and it's supposed to last for an hour and we're supposed to be sweaty and it's supposed to be, you know, um, random. It's never supposed to be planned and you're always supposed to be aroused and all of these very like, uh, patriarchal and also very gender binary focus sort of things. And I'm never supposed to have hair on my vulva. I'm supposed to always be shaved. So I wish someone would have told me that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So I spent less time thinking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting what you said about the porn, like not being realistic at all. No. Um, I was watching this show, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, called Euphoria. Have you seen no, it? No, but so many people keep telling me about it. I must oh, watch it. Oh, my God. Please watch it. Please oh, okay. watch it. All right. I'm going to watch um, it. I have time this weekend. <laughs> it's so good. And But anyways, there is a character on there who's like hypersexual, I would say. Um, and there's a whole scene where she talks about how she learned to have sex and like arch her back. And she just used to watch porn. Mm-hmm. And like not for enjoyment, but literally like taking lessons on mm-hmm. like how I'm supposed to look and I'm supposed to look sexy and... It's crazy. Yeah. And, like, I can't lie. I did that, too. Like, I knew what sounds you were supposed to make, and, like, mm-hmm. the sounds weren't coming out naturally. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 So that's a good one. Glenn, is there anything you wish you knew earlier? Oh, my God. Um, I don't know. I I still feel like I'm in the, the midst of, like, an awakening or something. Mm. Although, yeah, this can even be something we can... Like, what would you do for myself? Mm-hmm. Like, this person I've been involved with recently, I feel is a little more, like, advanced than me mm-hmm. and always is trying to, like, coach me in some ways. But mm-hmm. to the to the point that it makes me feel um, like I'm doing something wrong, mm-hmm. it's, like, very condescend- condescending, the mm-hmm. tone. Mm-hmm. So I think I always enter into situations feeling, like, a little, like, unsure mm-hmm. or, like, insecure about my skills or something like I have to have a lot of tequila or something Mm. and then I'm like a whole different person Mm. but anyway I think I've been in situations where people can give gentle like notes about what they want what Mm -hmm. they need and it can be really sexy but 
in this case, this, again, this person is like super condescending, and I don't really know mm. how to like what to do. Time to break I, up with them. It sounds like really. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that sounds like, horrible. Yeah, that's not cool. I mean, that's it's so it's so tender, like to be nude in a clothed society just alone. Mm-hmm. Like people yeah. already have a bunch of feels about and bodies. People have uh, various feelings about their bodies. And when you're naked, it is like the most vulnerable state. It's nothing that you can hide. Um, so to engage in something like there needs to be actual respectful communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always as sex educators talk about how talking is like the biggest part of any sort of sexual interaction from consent all the way down to expressing what you want. But expressing what you want has to be done in a way of like, does this feel good for you? How do you think, feel about this? And, you know, do you want to try this? And um, this is what I like, but, you know, maybe this isn't your thing. Like, it has to be done with care. Like, nobody Mm -hmm. should be talking to you in a condescending way unless you're consenting to condensation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like some people may like that. So maybe that's your kink, but it doesn't sound like it is. No, 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 no. no, Yeah. (laughs) I think, like, the moments when I felt really confident or, or, like, I could explore and I just, I'm like, I'm the sexiest person alive is when I feel, like, safe and comfortable with the person. Yes, yes. about the communication. Yes. If I did, if either, on either end, if somebody did something, quote, unquote, wrong, Mm -hmm. we're, like, laughing at it or something. Yeah. And just, like, breaking that. I think a lot of that has to do with that whole porn lens, too. Mm -hmm. Like, breaking that wall Mm -hmm. where it feels like we have to be, like, super intense right now. And you have to know everything. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's a a lot of pressure, for Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What about... I have a question... And it's a, what would you do? It's not for me, but I was talking to a friend um, who is in a serious relationship and said sometimes her partner will, like, take out the phone and record. And she's not, like, she doesn't mind it. It's just, like, weird. Mm. Do you have any advice for a situation like that? It's not a random person. It's someone that you're engaged to. She's engaged to this person. It's weird in what way? Like, she's not, it doesn't sound like there's consent. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah. Maybe she just wants to be asked. Yeah. It seems like they're just doing it without saying, like, is this okay? And it's also, like, you have to take out... You have to ask consent before you're in... Before you're fucking, essentially. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. be in the heat of the moment and be like, I'm going to take out my phone. Because you'll say yes to a lot of things when you're aroused. Similar to when you are high or drunk Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? So it has to be that you are consenting with all of your all of your brain not just your lizard brain as we say um (laughs) so yeah it doesn't sound like there's consent which and consent is still required in a relationship oh Oh, absolutely yeah consent it's all the time consent is hey can i give you a hug like that is still even if you've been married for like 30 years i remember having a long argument with my dad about this like (laughs) Consent is still necessary that but you don't that you don't own that body if you're engaged or if you've been together um, and maybe you're just domestic partners, whatever it might be, that body does not belong to yours. Mm-hmm. That's their body. Um, so it's important that you are asking for consent and the aspects of consent are there um, and that you're not doing it in a manipulative way. Right. Like, I could ask my partner to make dinner and be standing there naked and be like, please. Like, that's not that's not really fair, right? Like, I'm manipulating to have him make dinner. Um, but I could ask, like, completely clothes on the couch. Like, hey, can you make dinner, please? Right. <laughs> and then he could consent to that or not. Um, but I think, yeah, this situation sounds like that. 
she yeah. needs to have a conversation with her partner about you know when that works for her and when it doesn't and that's ongoing like every time that person that their partner needs to ask it's not oh it's okay if you record every time every instance like no sometimes you may not want that it's also like how present are you if your phone is out mm-hmm. you know are you setting it up on a tripod is in the mid like how is this working yeah it's also interesting that um marital rape is like not mm-hmm. illegal some places oh, yeah. right it's mm-hmm. like legal places mm-hmm. it's because it's re- marriage just the institution of marriage is believed that your body essentially belongs to this other person that's insane right. yeah Mm-hmm. It's also incredibly outdated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that we're back to the topic of consent because I remember at the live show, one of the favorite, one of my favorite things that we touched on was consent when it has to do with children mm-hmm. and how, um, can you speak on that a bit? Cause it was, I don't know. It really was interesting to me. Yeah. People will always assume people, People only want to talk about consent when it comes to sexual interactions, but consent is in everything. So like you said, the two of you have worked with young people and you'll see, especially in like a kindergarten, elementary school space is that people are always touching young people without their consent. Mm -hmm. Because similar to being in a relationship with someone or being married, people think that your bodily autonomy has disappeared um, as a young person, because you're a young person, like you no longer are able to say no. So when your auntie or your grandpa or your grandma or your mom or your dad wants a hug, um, a young person, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard a young person say no and that be respected. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always some sort of guilt trip about it. Mm-hmm. Um, or oh, you have to hug your mom or, oh, go hug your aunt or at least give them a kiss. It's like, there's never like, that's okay. Like, you don't have to actually give me a kiss or you don't have to do that. Right. Um, and these things get replicated in sexual relationships where you get guilted into, you know, having the person videotape or you get guilted into um, having sex when you don't want to because you believe that that your body is theirs just like you did as a kid. Um, and that's just, it, it, it doesn't have consent and it doesn't work. Um, and I wish that we honored, you know, young people's bodies more, um, and, and taught them about consent at very young ages, just like we would gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. if a kid says, no, I don't want to hug them. And if mm-hmm. their parent says, oh, well, okay. It, it makes the parent look like they're spoiling their child and uh-huh. they're letting their child be rude or their yep. child is high maintenance. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So that's very interesting. Yeah. And it's like, why do you have to young hug this person? Just say hello. That's it. Yeah. Like, you don't hug. You don't, you know, essentially, you don't necessarily force adults a hug. You know what I mean? Like you ask, like, do you hug? That's something that a lot of people do. But even then, sometimes people will ask, do you hug? And they're already coming in for a hug. Right. <laughs> it's and like, I've... no, you have to wait. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like kids deal with that and uh, women deal with that, too. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about. Uh, all the stories of like Joe Biden, for instance, where mm-hmm. he he you know he has explained that he genuinely did not mean anything bad by it, you know. But that's not really the point, you know. Right. You you didn't ask, right. so and women, I feel like many times don't want to be perceived as like a bitch or mm-hmm. cold, so you just deal with it right, and yeah. give the hug or let someone hug you. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of Joe Biden. Um, I'm thinking about <laughs> smooth little transition. Um, I'm thinking about the the election, and 
you know, all of these Democrats that are, you know, kind of stating their claims and talking about what's important to them and what plans they have. What are the most important issues to you when you think about like who you're going to vote for? I don't know. I don't I think that (laughs) I don't I don't I may have like a radical opinion on this because I don't I think the U.S. politics is really um, is fucked and it's been a mess for a very long time. I mean, the United States is founded on stolen land and benefits from uh, black people's labor, free labor for a very long time from cattle slavery up until the prison industrial complex. So I don't necessarily participate in politics in that way. Like I even I see, you know, the people that they've put in place to be like the representatives of black folks or Latinx people. And that's like, I guess, the space that they're supposed to hold. But they still hold space in a very violent um, institution. And I don't like there hasn't been any. I guess an issue that's important to me in that same vein is reparations for black people. Um, And I feel like the way that the U.S. government talks about it is they talk about it as we need to have a debate about it or we need to sit down and have some sort of hearing about reparations instead of just giving what is due. So that's why I just don't have much time for politics because I'm like, this is it feels like a sport. It feels like sports to me. So do you um, like just not participate? I, I don't. I've, I've participated sometimes, mm-hmm. but I don't. It's rare that I'm that I'm going to participate, to be completely honest. Um, like Thanks I'll participate in the sense of like <laughs> commenting on it and being like, that's fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, the, the core of it all is so um, it has like no foundation. Like, it all yeah. doesn't stand in the way that people talk about it. It sounds like they're talking about any sort of basketball game or any sort of football game. It's like, oh, the Republicans did this and, you know, screw them. And now the Democrats did this and screw them. It's just like none of this. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like we're really dealing with people's lives. And they are. Um, yeah. It just feels like a spectacle. Um, so I just it doesn't make me want to participate in it at all. Yeah. For me, it's. And we kind of touched on this um, on our last episode, but the most important issue for me is um, immigration right now because Mm -hmm. I'm just extremely freaked out that these kids are living in these conditions. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't I don't get how it's like, I don't understand how it's allowed. Um, Mm -hmm. And but anyways, I I also sometimes feel like, damn, I'm just like picking the lesser of the evils, I guess. But. Mm -hmm. I also watch things like The Handmaid's Tale and I'm like, well, if I don't pick something, what if it gets crazy, you know? Like if this, Mm -hmm. if they could have kids like at the border in the same clothes for weeks at a time, like away from their parents in these disgusting conditions, like who knows what's next, you know? So I don't know, it just freaks me out. I just wonder sometimes like when people think about, like that is like a conversation that a lot of people are having right now. Like Mm -hmm. why are these, and people have likened them to concentration camps, why are they happening? But it also makes me think about like the foster care system exists in the same ways um, Mm -hmm. where it doesn't take care of people. It displaces people from their parents on purpose. um, And they're in the system for a long time. The prison system has young people in cages. (laughs) Like, so do people think that the young people who are in like juvenile detention centers, that they belong to be there Mm -hmm. because those are the, those are the blueprint for any sort of immigration um, structure. 
right? And I guess it's just strange to me. I, it feels a little bit like this is what's on people's minds, so mm-hmm. this is what we're going to talk about, but not connecting it to that. This country has always had structures like that and right. still does. This isn't a new structure. It's yeah. just you know consistent with how things have always been similar to handmaid's tale which is like that's already happening to people you know what i mean like that's not that's not a future that is now um so i guess it just it kind of freaks me out when i'm like okay wait what about these things like are we not going to talk about prison or foster care or you know even the prison industrial complex just schools pushing uh, you know young black people into into prison like by keeping them out of school by you know giving them um punishments major punishments for little things that they do so Mm -hmm. i don't know it just makes me weary um that we focus on certain things but not others and i and i also have i think it relates to anti-blackness as well because a lot Mm. of the coverage in the news of these um, ICE detention centers are of lighter skin Latinx folks. Um, there's not a lot of black immigrants that are covered who are also in the camps. Mm. But I think our, our, I guess our fear and our hatred of it has a lot to do with like, okay, like we have to get them out of the camps, but we're not considering the black folks that have been in these sort of structures for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have so many thoughts, but I know you have to go. So we're going to move to the what would you do? Okay. Um, but yeah, I just, this place is fucked up. Um, but anyways, um, so we have a listener text. Um, and so she says, dear black girls texting, I listen to you all every Wednesday. So thank you. Um, we really appreciate that support. Um, she says, anyways, I am 28 years old. Please don't say my name or email address. Um, I'm 28 years old and I'm a virgin. Um, I can't find someone to date that I feel worthy of taking my virginity. And I'm not really a virgin for any reason other than it just hasn't happened yet to me. Should I just go out there and get it over with? Or should I just wait at this point to find who my end all be all man will be? So this is the letter and I want to hear your opinion on it. Well, I guess to free you up a little bit, 28-year-old writer, is that virginity is a myth. (laughs) It's not a real thing. No. What does that mean? It's just not real. Like, you can, if you're talking about a hymen being broken, um, you could break your hymen by doing a cartwheel. You Mm -hmm. could break your hymen by sitting on a bicycle, by people in sex ed, these old examples like riding Riding a horse, horse. which I don't know who's riding a horse. horse. (laughs) But it's also rooted in heteronormativity where it's like there has to be a penis inserted into a vagina. And then now you are no longer a virgin. But what about Mm. people that never have, have any interest in being intimate with a penis? Um, are they virgins forever? Right. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a myth. It's not, it's not a real thing. Um, and then also what about masturbation? Like, does that not count as sex? Um, does that mm. mean that you're not a virgin if you've never mass if you've masturbated before? So mean that you are a virgin? Like it, it, it all of it is, is very silly and, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I think that there's a lot of weight put on virginity and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you're 28, you're still a virgin. It doesn't matter because virginity is not real. Um, I would just wait to find 
somebody who respects your body and who's going to honor you and support you and be great and not condescending Mm -hmm. uh, with Mm -hmm. you in in any sort of in any sort of interaction but especially a sexual interaction um is what i would my advice to you but also just you know kind of let go of this idea that virginity is real oh i love that because it's like it's being considered like it's like a tangible thing and it's not yeah you could get Not a pap a smear and, and the speculum being inserted right. inside of you could break your hymen. Like it doesn't, it's, it's so not interesting real. that it has, that that's predicated on something has to break. Yep. Like something mm-hmm. has to pass part through. Two. Like yep. that's I, crazy. I yep. have a friend who uh, is a quote unquote virgin mm-hmm. and she's my age. And one of the things she tells me is she hasn't really lost it simply because at this point she's embarrassed of like telling guys that she is a virgin mm-hmm. um and so i don't know what that feels like if guys like back off for that reason or oh but God. i don't know i just There's wanted to throw that in the pot what a virgin is right. like and they're gonna be clingy and crazy and whatever i watch a lot of reality tv and there's a virgin quote unquote on married at first sight and she was oh. so concerned like her family members were telling her husband that she's a virgin i was like this is some weird ass shit like what (laughs) like at the we tell people that they're virgins but at the same breath we don't tell them how many sexual partners we've had like nobody is like up this person has had a hundred sexual partners but you are apparently telling people who i have not slept with like that's so bizarre (laughs) yeah i wouldn't any person that's like gonna even inquire about how many partners you've had or haven't had is bizarre and I yeah. would go to the next person. And probably insecure. Yeah. I'm like, are they going to tell you how many? And who cares? Like, why right. are you recounting old partners? Um, just let's just do the damn thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we really thank you for your time. Of course. Um, for sitting down with us at our live show and coming back to do this after our yes, audio oh got messed up. Of so course. Generous it's an and honor. Wonderful. And thank you. It's great to talk to. Thank, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks and, for having me. Yeah.